Hi everyone, I'm so glad you decided to join us today for the second part of our series, The New Normal. If you don't know me, my name is Louis Skeppers and I've got the privilege of leading Prodeo Church. I'm excited about this series because since lockdown started, the phrase The New Normal has been um, in the media, it's been on social media, it's been everywhere. Some people love it, some people hate it, some people are frustrated by it. But the question is, why is everyone using it? And sociologists are saying that people use this phrase to try and normalize the new current circumstances in order to cope with the discomfort, in order to cope with the pain that they are experiencing. So in that series, what we are doing is we're looking at it from a bit of a different perspective than the world is looking at it. We try to find out what God wants to teach us through a time of pain, a time of discomfort, a time of difficulty, a time like we are living in right now. Because I believe, I truly believe that God might have something beautiful, something different in store for you, something different to just accepting your new current difficult circumstances as your only reality. So last week I challenged you and I said, let's take our disappointment. We turn it into an appointment with God. We hear what God wants to tell us. We hear where God is going with our lives. Instead of just settling into this, let's, let's turn our disappointments into appointments. But today I want to talk to all the fixers out there. So if you don't have any OCD, perfectionism, if you never try to control everything, anything in your life, if you don't try to fix anything, then this is probably not for you. But if you're like me, and a problem hits and you try your best to sort it out, sometimes to, to not to the benefit of your health or even your family, then you need to hear this. Because it's interesting, LinkedIn and the Mental Health Foundation commissioned some research and they found that three quarters of employees currently feel overworked. Why? They, they found that in companies where, where there have been talks about letting people go, People felt that they had to work harder, they had to work longer hours, especially if they're working remotely, in order to prove their worth to the company so that they wouldn't, so that the company wouldn't let go of them. So basically what people are, are trying to do is, I'm, I'm living in this circumstances where I don't have control over what's going on in the world, so I try to overcompensate, I try to fix something, I try to work insanely long hours, I've... I'm working harder than ever, ever before so that I can at least control this one aspect of my company keeping my position safe. But more and more people, as we're living this reality, are experiencing stress and burnout, anxiety and depression. And it's, I don't think it's just because of COVID, because we've, we've been living in uncertainty our whole lives, even though we, we didn't know it. You, your job, you might be afraid of insecurity at the moment, but before COVID, you didn't know if, if, the, if, if your company wanted to let you go. It can happen at any time, right? But we're experiencing these things because we try to fix things that are not in our control. And when we try to fix things that are not in our control, and it means we can't fix them because they're outside of our control, it leads to restlessness. Now, I want to give you a quick definition of restlessness. This was so relevant to me when I read the definition. Restless is defined as being unable to rest or relax as a result of anxiety or boredom. So I'm anxious because of my current new normal, of the difficulty of the pain or whatever, and that means that I cannot find rest but or relaxation. But there's a second definition, and that is offering no physical or emotional rest 
involving because I'm involved in constant activity. So this is kind of like what I'm seeing. I'm anxious. I'm living a new normal. So I try to fix it with this constant activity, trying to sort out a situation. And this leads to restlessness. I cannot find rest. I cannot find relaxation. It's not healthy. So our topic today, from restless to rest. From restless to rest. And we will be continuing our story from the book of 1 Kings in the Bible. So you can turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 19. We're going to be reading about Elijah. Same story we read last week. Um, he faced this new normal that completely upset his life. And in 1 Kings, we read last week from verse 1 to verse 9. Today, we're going to be reading from verse 3 to 9. So let me just give you a, a quick recap, okay? Chapter 17, he tells King Ahab, <clears throat> the king in his time, that it's not going to rain. God tells him, go and hide the king. We know the king probably wanted to kill him. So God is like, go and hide. Then he has this whole massive standoff with the king, the prophets of Baal, um, they, they try to get their gods to incinerate this, this offering. Then Elijah, man alone, stands in front of them. Like he pours buckets of water over his offering. God sends fire from heaven. It incinerates everything. All the prophets of Baal are killed. The queen, Jezebel, when she finds out about this, she's so angry. She sends a message to Elijah. She's like, I will kill you like you killed those prophets. And then... This is what happens. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. When he went on, then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. This is a man with an unsettling new normal. The queen wants to kill him. He doesn't know which way to turn. And he decides his best option is to just give up. He's tried to do whatever he can. It's time to get, give up. He actually tells God, I've had enough. Take my life. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot like that. Maybe you've been in a spot like that um, since COVID started. Uh, a place where you say, I cannot face another setback. It's just been too many. Now, problems coming three, but I'm at number four or five or six or seven. Like, when is this all going to stop? Why do bad things keep happening to me? Maybe you've been at that place where you said, I am ready, God, to give up. This is exactly where Elijah was. He just got to a point where he couldn't continue. And just before this, by the way, things were going well. He had this huge stand-up. God showed his power. It was amazing. 
And by the way, after this, if you go and continue reading the story of Elijah, some amazing things happen. He's got an amazing encounter with God. Like the story continues beautifully. But why this one moment where Elijah says, I've had enough. I cannot handle the stress. I cannot handle the anxiety. I cannot face all of this. I am done. Is it because this was the first time in his life or the only time in his life that he faced a significant, a significant low so he didn't know how to cope with it? The answer is no. We said that last week as well, right? In chapter 17, King Ahab also wanted to kill him and God tells him to go and hide. Now the queen wants to kill him, so he goes and he hides. But what changes between chapter 17 where we just read that he hides and God fed him and chapter 19 where he hides and he's like, God, just kill me. And I think it has something to do with control. I think it's got something to do with control because in chapter 17, God tells Elijah, to go and hide. Although we do not read that the king wanted to kill him, God says, go and give him a message and now go and hide. So it's obviously, it's obvious that the king wanted to kill him, right? So God is in control. God tells Elijah what to do, to go to the king, the word to give him. God tells Elijah to go and hide. God is in control. In chapter 19, we specifically read the words that he left his servant behind and then he went alone into the wilderness. God didn't tell him to go. God is, he is choosing in this moment to take everything on himself, to put the weight of this moment on his own shoulders. And this is the first lesson that I learned from the story today. Restlessness originates from your need, from my need to control the things you are not in control of. Restlessness originates from my need to control the things that I am not in control of. Verse 17, oh, chapter 17, God is in control of a death-threatening situation. So Elijah was fine. Chapter 19, Elijah's like, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going on my own into the wilderness. I'm taking control of the situation. But guess what? He couldn't control King Ahab in chapter 17, but God took care of him. Now in chapter 19, he still cannot take care of Queen Jezebel. So he feels out of control and that leads him to a place where he is ready to give up. Not his first time facing this challenge, but the first time he chose to take the weight of this on himself. The first time he chose to take control of his situation by himself. Because I believe that COVID hasn't dumped us in the first uncontrollable situation in the history of time. I spoke about it last, last week, right? Crazy things have happened throughout history. But what COVID has done is on a mass scale, it has exposed the cracks in our postmodern individualistic way of thinking. Thinking that I am self-sufficient. Thinking that with technology and with money and with power and all of those things, I can gain control. It has exposed the cracks in a broken belief system. More than that, I think it has exposed some of the cracks in Christians' theological belief system. We often say as Christians that we believe God is in control. That is, that is our theology, right? But the question is, theology is not just about what we believe about God, but also what we practice. So the question is, do you live as if God is in control? You say that, but do you live that way? 
That is, I think, where the exposure came in. It shone a light on our problem of saying one thing and living a different thing. We have to start digging deep to examine the foundations of our belief systems and see if they are at the right place. Elijah, at that moment, knew, believed in his heart, I think, that God was in control, but he lived a different way. He decided to take control of things himself. I want to tell you today, if you're feeling like Elijah, if you've been carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, you do not have rest in your life, you're constantly busy with other activities, trying to sort stuff out, you are not alone. I actually read some blogs and listen to podcasts about how this has been one of the most difficult times for pastors. Because when churches couldn't meet, they felt like they had to do something. So what a lot of guys did, they keep, kept adding more and more kinds of um, live things on social media to try and connect people. They got more and more burned out. It got more and more difficult. So I don't know where you are, but if you're feeling like him, you're not alone. And this is not the end. What we need to do is we need to get to a point where we can move from being restless to a point where we find rest. Let's look at the rest of Elijah's story. What's so beautiful to me is Elijah, right after this moment, where he's like, God, I am at my lowest. I cannot continue. I cannot carry this weight. I'm completely out of control. We read that he sleeps under the broom bush. Now, that might be something we just look over, but one of the most significant results of stress and anxiety and depression and, and burnout is insomnia. People cannot sleep. And Elijah just falls asleep. Then the angel brings him food. He wakes up and then we read that he goes back to sleep. He lies down again. Then the angel brings him food again. He travels and then when he gets to the mountain, he spends the night. So he sleeps again. And what is interesting to me is when we look at the story, did anything change from this one moment where he's like, God, I cannot continue to this next moment after the angel gave him food? Did, did the threat, threats on his life go away? No. Did the threat of his life change after he, he arrived at the mountain? No. The problem, the situation is still there. In fact, if you go and read further in verse 10, when he gets to the mountain and God is, hey, Elijah, what are you doing here? He full out vents. He's like, God, I have had enough. Like all the prophets have been killed. They're going to kill me. I've got a valid reason to be angry. I've got a valid reason to feel stressed out, to be depressed. This is out of control. And I'm, I'm, I deserve to feel this way. That's what he's basically telling God. But what I'm learning from his story is this. The situation didn't change, but somehow he moved from a point where he was like, I want to give up to a point where he could actually find rest. And what changed? Here's the lesson. Finding rest is not about your situation changing, but trusting that God is still in control. You see, we hope when we are in a time of restlessness, when, we, when we're really in a, a low and we struggle to cope, we hope that once things return to normal, I've heard people say that so many times, then I will find rest again. Once the threat, once the issue, once the disease, once the problem, once the pain is gone, then suddenly rest will come back. But here's the thing. Your problem might not just go away. We've been living with this COVID thing for months now and, and it could be many more months. It might not just go away. And even if it does go away, you will face different challenges 
as we said last week, every day, every week, every month, every year, they will come and they will go. So what I learned is that my rest and my peace needs to be built on something different than my current circumstances. If my rest and my peace is linked to my current circumstances, I will keep being on this roller coaster of emotions of ups and downs. It will be crazy all the time. My rest needs to be built on something different. And this is why I believe, despite the craziness going on in Elijah's life, why he could still sleep, why he could continue on the journey. I believe it is because he knew that God was in control. He knew that God was in control. There's a little thing that is so important in this whole story. When God told him to hide in chapter 17, clearly there was no time for him to pack food to get ready for his trip to, to the wilderness. Because we read that God said, go and hide and the ravens, the birds will feed you. And as Elijah was in this crazy situations, the, bird actually, the birds actually came and fed him. Like every day he was taken care of by birds. It's like, come on. When has that happened to you? That random birds fly up to you and bring you food. It doesn't happen, right? They would rather steal, especially if you're living in Cape Town. The seagulls at the waterfront, they would rather steal your food. They won't bring you food. They will take your food, right? In chapter 19, something amazing happened. So chapter 17, he experienced God's faithfulness, God's control in this uncontrollable situation. In chapter 19, he didn't have time to prepare. He ends up in the wilderness, in the desert again. And then an angel wakes him up. He's not freaked out by this. He doesn't wonder why it's happening because God has provided miraculously in the past. And now through an angel, this random piece of bread cooking on a hot stone God's provision, God's control is there again. And I believe that that little bit of grace in the form of a piece of bread and, and a jug, a can, a glass, I don't know what they had, of water, that little bit of grace reminded him that although his situation didn't change, God's power, God's faithfulness, God's provision, God's control of an uncontrollable situation didn't change. God is still in control. King Ahab wasn't in control in chapter 17. King Ahab and the prophets of Baal wasn't in control in chapter 18. And guess what? King Queen Jezebel isn't in control in chapter 19. You see, your circumstances will change from good to bad, from highs to lows. Circumstances will change throughout life, but God will not change. And if our rest is built on Him, then our rest doesn't need to change. You see, only once I realize that God is still in control, despite of my circumstances feeling like it's out of control, only then will I be able to find rest for my soul. The problem with me continuing to take control is that we wrongly believe that although God is in control, is that it's still up to me to fix the problem. 
So I'm like, yes, I, I believe God is in control, but I still need to provide the food in the desert. I believe God is in control, but I still need to find a way to, to win this Queen Jezebel that wants to kill me. I believe God is in control when I lost my job. I believe God is in control when I had a salary cut. I believe God is in control um, of COVID-19, but I still need to sort out all the problems. So do you hear the problem with saying something, but we're living something else? Now, I want to show you something. How many days do we read about in chapter 19? Can we read through it again? How many, how many days? If you know in the comments, just comment quickly. We read about 40 plus days. We don't know exactly how long he was in the wilderness, but after he woke up, he traveled, the Bible says, 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. Now, here's my second question. How many meals do we read about in that time? Two. And if you like, but there could be a bunch of meals on his travels for the 40 days and 40 nights that we didn't read about. No, no. Hear what the Bible says specifically. Verse 8. Strengthened by that food. Not by food during his journey. Strengthened by the specific meal that he had at this specific point. Those two meals. He traveled for 40 days and 40 nights. Guys, this is so significant to me because finding rest is not just about knowing that God is in control. The king isn't in control. The queen isn't in control. COVID-19 isn't in control. Political parties are not in control. God is still in control. We do not. Th that's one of the things we need to know to find rest. But the second thing we need to know if we want to find rest is that God will provide more than enough. Resting in God is about trusting that His provision will be more than enough. Two days of meals doesn't equal 40 days and 40 nights of travel. Not normally. But with God's provision, it does. Here's the problem. We're like, okay God, you're in control. So let me tell you how to fix this problem quickly. I've lost my salary, so what you need to do is you need to give me this kind of work with this kind of salary. You need to provide me this and this. I'm like, come on. That's your idea. That's my idea of how God should provide. So we go to the king of the universe, to the creator of everything, the one that is actually in control. And we want to tell him how he should provide to us. He's like, come on, buddy, I know how to take care of you. I took care of you when my son died in your place on a cross because I knew that you weren't capable of taking care of yourself. But still we want to go and we want to tell God how to do it. Elijah didn't go to God and tell him how he should provide for him. Elijah rested knowing that God is in control and then God provided for him with simple two meals more than what was ever necessary. I don't know what restless situation you're facing at the moment, but I know that in it God can provide and God will provide for you. And it's not just me saying so. It's not just in Elijah's story that we read it. But Jesus himself said in Matthew 6, why do you worry? He's like, look at the birds. If God takes care of a bird, guess what? Jesus didn't die for birds. He died for you and me. So if God takes care of birds and he's already proven that he loves us so much that his son died on a cross for us. How can you believe that God will not provide for you? That God will not take care of you? Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, why do you still worry? God will provide. 
But I also believe that God will provide in a way to keep you relying on Him. We read this beautiful story about the Israelites um, in the desert for 40 years. After they were freed from Egypt by Moses. They have no food. They're like, we're in a new normal and it sucks. They actually tell God, just send us back to Egypt. We have no food. But God provides manna to them. We don't know what food it is. It's not bread, okay? It was something else. It was food from heaven that God provided to the Israelites every single day. So God provided them this food in the desert. What do we do when we're in a desert and suddenly we wake up and there's food outside? You will pick up as much as you can, right? But God told them, only pick up what you can use in one day. But they're like, no, 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 God. You provide it, but we, we still want to take control. So we're just going to collect as much as we can. Guess what? Next morning, everything rotten. They have to throw it away. But fresh manna outside. So now, one day of manna is all you can keep, right? What do the Israelites have to do during the Sabbath day when they're not allowed to pick up food? God tells them, before the Sabbath, you can pick up for two days. But it's like, God, God, whoa, whoa, whoa. We just saw that this food only lasts for one day. That was your provision for one day. So we're going to face two days. We're going to be hungry. So what now? Like, I want to take control. God is like, no, my provision will take care of you. So over the Sabbath, guess what? The manna lasted two days. You can go and read about it in Exodus. It's so beautiful. God's provision will always be enough. It won't necessarily look what you look like what you want it to look like, but it will be enough. And as I'm saying this today, I'm not saying it from a place of perfect comfort. Okay, we started this journey on uh, to plant a church end of 2015. We left job security. We left. Um, a salary. We left a growing church in order to plant a church in Cape Town. God provided finances for us to do this. And basically for three years, we were working in the city center of Cape Town, almost as missionaries with almost no income locally. And it all came from, from other churches. And then that funding started to dry up and we've replanted a new, we replanted a church in the northern suburbs of Cape Town and it was going well. And then COVID hit and I was going crazy. I'm like, God, what are we going to do? Your provision is running out. I don't know what to do. And in this time, God told me, Louis, I'm still in control. My provision will be more than enough. If you don't believe this, you will not find rest. And there was a time at the beginning of this lockdown that I didn't have rest at all. Because I was figuring out how am I going to fix all of this and I had no idea. So I'm not saying this from a place of perfect comfort. We're restarting our services soon. But I don't know if our church will be able to financially survive in a couple of months. I have no idea. But do you know who knows? Do you know who's in control of his church? Jesus Christ. And if I preach that he's in control and if I preach that he can provide, but I do not live as if he's in control and I do not live as if he's my provider, then I've got a serious crack in my belief system. So I want to challenge you today. If you're restless, go and examine the cracks in your own belief system. Go and examine the cracks in your theology. Do you truly believe that God is in control? And can you... Surrender the control that you're fighting for so frantically. Can you surrender that to God? Do you truly trust that in your difficulty, God will provide? 
and enough for what you need. I'm not just saying you believe that. Do you trust him for that? If the answer to one of those, honestly or no, that's why you're feeling restless. Let me say it the other way around. If you're feeling restless, there's a good chance that you say you believe that, but that you don't truly believe it and live that out. And it's not easy. But this is what I know. God provided supernaturally for Elijah. And God can and will provide supernaturally for me and for you. What good is it that we believe in a supernatural, powerful God? A God who loves us more than we can imagine. But we do not truly trust in His supernatural provision. Let's hold on to them. As long as we believe it's all up to us, we will always live in a constant state of restlessness. And if you hear hear this today and you're like, Louis, does this mean I should do nothing? The answer is no. Next week we're going to talk about it. But for this week, homework is examine your theology. Examine your belief system. Put your trust, put your confidence in the God who's in control, the God who can and will provide. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are our provider. Thank you that you are in control. That COVID, that the president, that political parties, a king, a queen, police, an army, people, money, none of that is in control. You are in control. I want to find my rest in you, not in my circumstances. And I pray for everyone here today that's feeling restless, burnt out, anxious, depressed, whatever it might be because of their circumstances. I pray that they will move from restless to rest, that they will move, that they will shift their focus, that they will shift their trust from their circumstances, from their own ability, from their own control to you. Help us, God, to trust you more. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Because before I end off, here's some more good news. Last week we said new venue, new services coming. 4th of October, we are starting in-person services in Durbanville. 4th of October, in-person services in Durbanville. Get ready. Let us know in the comments if you're excited about it. I would love to hear from you. So send a thumbs up. Right, excited. Do something. Send a gift. Just do something. Let us know if you're excited. I can't wait to see all of you again. Um, next week, I'm going to tell you more about the venue. We'll post some photos, see if you can recognize the venue this week. But keep the 4th of October open. You don't want to miss it. All of the COVID-19 protocols, safety protocols will be in place. You will be safe. We'll do our best to make sure that you're safe. Um, but keep the 4th of October open, 9.30 in the morning, we will have our service. I'm going to head over now to Charles. He's going to give you a bit of information on how you can give to Prodeo Church, how you can support the work we're doing, how you can help Prodeo to, to grow and to reach more and more people for the kingdom of God. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of our online service today. If you enjoyed the service and feel you want to contribute to what Prodeo is doing, consider giving financially to our church. There's two ways you can do that. The first way is through our banking details and the second way is through Snapscan. Both of these steps is available on our website. You can just go to www.prodeo.org.za forward slash give or you can follow the link below in the comments. If you enjoy the video, please share it to everyone you know. We want more people to connect to life-changing relationships. That is it from us. Bye.